Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Hello, everyone. We have such a special guest today on the show. Nike Anani is an entrepreneur, speaker, and consultant. She helps her clients bridge the gap between senior and younger generations. With over a decade of family business expertise in Nigeria, Nike helps owners lead their family organizations to long-term impact and legacy. Her inside experience as a second-generation family business owner birthed a passion to help other families in building legacy enterprises that would outlive them. She is the co-founder of African Family Firms, a Pan-African Association of Family Businesses, and the host of the Connected Generation podcast, ranked top 10 of all family business podcasts globally. Nike is a champion for diversity and celebrates the uniqueness in every individual family and business. Ladies and gentlemen, Nike Anani. Thank you. I'm I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. How's your day? How is everything? Good, good. I mean, that intro, I always laugh when I hear it. I'm like, that's me? Am I that serious? (laughs) It's a trip, right? I mean, I think that's, you know, such an important thing that we explore on the show, right? Because, you know, on the internet and on Instagram, it's, you know, the highlight reel and it's like, wow, Mm -hmm. you know, all these accomplished people. It's so exciting. Um, But we get to see the behind the scenes of the people that have accomplished these things and actually get to know you. So we're so, so pumped to have you. Oh, I'm excited as well. Thank you. Of course. One of our favorite questions on the show to kind of get a background into um, the little child within each of us, what was little Nikkei like? Oh, that's a really good question. Very headstrong. Always knew what she wanted. Um, Very ambitious, very driven. Um, A bit isolated, actually, I would say. I didn't really have many friends. Surrounded by lots of family, cousins and things. And little Nika grew up in Lagos in Nigeria, but at age nine, I moved to the UK. And we moved to a very, um, not very diverse area, not very inclusive area at that. So I guess that isolation theme kind of carried with me into my childhood, just feeling like I don't belong, feeling just, yeah, like a fish out of water, I guess. Um, But you know what? I really think that that isolation theme has been my superpower, to be honest with you, in my adulthood, because I actually don't feel intimidated in spaces and places where I'm the only one. I've, I'm young black female. Um, many rooms I walk into and I'm literally the only one that looks like me. And I don't really see it as a big deal. Um, so yeah, that's really my childhood was, I remember isolation, but in saying that I was very happy. I was very content just being in my own bubble with my brothers and my cousins. Um, Aside, just navigating the two cultures was a bit of a challenge when we moved to the UK. You know, navigating my internal world, which was very Nigerian in my house, but the second I stepped out was very British. And, you know, straddling those two worlds was 
was was a bit of a challenge. I'm sure it was challenging when you were younger, but like you said, it it prepared you to be malleable and enter any room now with confidence. You know, it's interesting. I was speaking with um, one of my colleagues earlier this week and talking about how challenges and what could seem like negative or um, sad experiences always prepare us in the long run. And there's always a silver lining and we don't necessarily have the answers right now, but you know, even with all of the, the pain and suffering that's going on with the world, like I just, mm. I like to, I like to think and pray and hope that there is a silver lining to all of this. I, I think there is. Right. Um, I definitely think there is. Um, you know, I recently moved from Lagos, Nigeria to Austin, Texas, and I'm pretty sure this would not have happened had the pandemic not happened. I think the shaking, the disruption, just, I actually just quoted, put this on Instagram earlier today, that moments of disruption give us an excellent opportunity to renegotiate, reimagine and reinvent. Um, I love that. Yeah. And a friend of mine the other day, he was saying it's a season of rebirth and renewal for those that choose to be conscious to do so. And so I think that's the silver lining is that as things are shaking, you're like, wait a minute, is this really in alignment with what I want for my life? Have I just been going through the motions trying to please whomever, society, loved ones, bosses, what have you? Um, but am I moving further from who I truly am? And I think the pressing, the pain, the stresses just you don't have as much time to put up with things that are just not in alignment with your true self. I think that's the gift of the season is rediscovering self. Um, so yeah, reimagining, reinventing, renegotiating, transforming in spite of what has been a horrific, <laughs> horrific 18 months. God knows like how long this thing is gonna keep going for like as Delta plus, as Delta this, as Lambda, all sorts of things going on. But um. I think we can be conscious in choosing to transform in spite of it all. One thing that I, I find is a similar thread with all of our, you know, movers and shakers that we have on the show. And certainly with you is this concept of permission. And I love how you have made decisions, great decisions, you know, moving to a different countries, changing career paths. Um, I mean, there have been so many decisions of, you know, even just your highlight reel that I'm aware of, that our audience is aware of, that are so beautiful because you give yourself that permission to do things. Where does that sense of self and that sense of confidence come from? Mm, it's funny you say confidence. <laughs> I wouldn't say it comes from confidence. I think I've always just been... I mean, it would... It would on I the outside, it appears like confidence, right? Well, I think we all have our insecurities, right? But it, it there's takes some confidence and assertion to be like, I'm going to move across the country with my mm. family. I'm going to change career paths, you know, completely. I'm going to step into a unique field and be and pave the way, you know, mm -hmm. for generations to come. I mean, there is a certain, I mean, part of it, you know, my interpretation of it for myself, for what I do is like sometimes. I don't even think about it. So sometimes it might be idiocy coupled with a little bit of confidence, but but I don't think that that's born of insecurity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's a deep sense of conviction as opposed to confidence. 
and that comes from a deep sense of my purpose which I didn't have full clarity on always and knowing you know my mission and vision in life and my passion I know that wherever I go I have value so if I have value um money must flow to me does that make sense because I know that I have a, a strong compelling vision and mission in my life um that's outside of me um and so so yeah I guess that's where it comes from but I didn't always have this full clarity and I always when I'm mentoring folks or coaching folks is be patient with your life journey life and the universe will unveil what your passions are what your purpose purpose is and it's once you hit it chase that fearlessly um chase that tirelessly in service of humanity um it's not really about you know we're, you know glorifying self and making that instagram highlight reel and i'm so amazing worship me but really using your gifts and talents to make the world a better place because i think our world needs to be better <laughs> amen amen to that when did you find your purpose? And I know that you mentioned that, you know, it's forever evolving and, and, mm. and shaking and changing with times and with decisions and with, you know, our world around us, but how early do you remember finding that sense of purpose? Five years ago. It's amazing. Really. So I was lost. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I was lost all through secondary school, college, university. Um, I never had a full, you know how there were some folks like, I want to be a doctor from like year year seven, which is first year of middle school over here. I was just like, oh, <laughs> I just, I was very academic. Um, and so there were all these options that were available to me, but I really had no deep passion for anything. Um, so I did what was expected of me. Um, studied a mainstream degree, um, which was economics, did very well, worked in corporate, I worked in Deloitte, was doing very well on the surface. I ticked all the right boxes, but there was just, I felt so hollow on the inside. I was like, this is like putting needles in my eyeballs. I cannot do this for the rest of my career. This is just <laughs> not, this is not life. And I was like, you know what? I think I need to take a step back which was the irony was I just qualified as a chartered accountant. And this is the stage where people then really beast it. So you go into investment banking or management consulting, you become this high flyer. And that was what I was looking forward to. But there was just this tug on the inside, like, no, Nika, there's more. This isn't it. This doesn't, um, this isn't fulfilling. This is really hollow. And so I was like, you know what, I need to really discover stuff. This, this cannot be my life. So I took some time out. I gave myself a year, three months to go back to Nigeria because all this time my dad was still back in Lagos um, running our family businesses. Um, so the plan was shadow him, meet a few friends, get inspired, hopefully go traveling. I planned to go to China for six months and go back to the UK, go to grad school. But I got to Nigeria and I fell in love with entrepreneurship. I saw the entrepreneur's world, which was essentially our earlier conversation, having spotting a need to um, 
add value to a sect of customers, having a deep sense of conviction in one's ability to assemble and galvanize a team and rally towards this vision and make money as a byproduct. So the money part for me wasn't really the exciting thing. It was like just adding value and in like this developing economy um, that was fast growing and there were so many needs. I was just like, wow, this is amazing. You can get plugged in in healthcare and the social space and tech. And, and so I loved it. And I decided to stay working with my dad. Um, and that started my journey. And I became obsessed with family businesses. I was like, hold up a minute. When I was in Deloitte, we had a number of clients that were family businesses, but these folks were like 15th generation, you know, but I don't really see many of these out here. Why is that? And then I started digging around and found that only 2% of businesses in Nigeria would outlive their founders. And I just knew that that was my calling. Um, that was my purpose was to build, help folks build legacy businesses, not just lifetime businesses, and particularly help the next generation, folks like me, that would inherit these businesses or take over these businesses because it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. That is so refreshing. I mean, one of the things that kind of, I don't yet have a family, but one of the things that I think about a lot is building wealth and building legacy and wanting, you know, the option if my offspring or other family members wanted to continue with the brand that I've built, um, that that would be an option. Uh, but there really aren't very many roadmaps. I mean, you hear about, you know, trust fund babies and then you hear about entrepreneurs, but where's the gap? And the fact that you're bridging that gap is so inspiring. And so, I mean, I didn't even know that that was an industry before I met you. They, oh, there was something that could actually help me, help guide me to mm -hmm. do this. I mean, so much of entrepreneurship is just, you know, figuring it out as you go. Yeah. But knowing that there is someone like you out there to help you know, movers and shakers carry their, carry what they've built on through generations is so incredible. I think there's a spectrum as well. You kind of alluded to the trust fund babies on one side and the folks that would take over and manage the business. There's a spectrum. You've got varying degrees of um, involvement of the next generation. They could be advisors. Um, they could start family foundation. They could start their own change-making kind of impact investing or they could start um, social entrepreneurship projects. So I think there's a spectrum and I'm really big on agency. And I think those two options, which you, you, you highlighted really does disempower a lot of potential next gens. Cause they're like, I don't want to really take over dad's manufacturing plant, nor do I want to be this stereotypical trust fund baby. And it's really just, giving them a menu of options like no it's beyond just two we've got more than chicken or beef on the menu today <laughs> we're not on a plane we're not on a plane that. would you like chicken would you like beef no we've got more than that <laughs> there's a buffet <laughs> right um just excuse the analogy but you see what I mean and I think that's really empowering for folks and also for for, for business owners like yourself as well um for the longest time um this conversation on building a legacy business has been predominantly for men, right? Um, very few people look to female business owners. How can we help you build legacy enterprises? Because unfortunately, we all know that female-led businesses, there's a gender performance gap. Um, and 
yeah, the, the, we're still in a very patriarchal world. And so a lot of the work I do is I'm really passionate about female-owned businesses and ensuring that these businesses move from lifetime to legacy. That's amazing. Well, yeah, I think it's just time, right? Like the men have had more time to build business and build legacy than women have. And so we're just playing catch up, which yeah. I love me an underdog, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So you are now in Austin, Texas, and mm-hmm. you said that the impetus was the pandemic, but what really made you choose Austin? Mm. Austin is beautiful, firstly. Um, for me, surroundings is so important. Um, so it's got this beautiful mix of like urban meets rural, very inclusive um, as a person of color, as a female that doesn't you know, fit the mold. This is one of the few cities I believe, um, probably even in the world that empowers and allows one to pursue possibility. Um, the really up and coming, the entrepreneurship scene, the tech scene, really exciting. So I think for, for all of us, because I'm married with two kids, it ticked, and it's got fantastic education, public education. It ticked all the right boxes for every single family member. Um, I'm very big on connection. Um, I'm very, uh, um, I'm a relational person. So the inclusivity was important. I didn't want my kids' experience to be like my experience when I was growing up in the UK because I was bullied for a few years. I was, I felt really isolated and definitely we made the right choice because, you know, kids started school last week and dropping them off at school and just seeing how different kids would come to them. You, you, I love your shirt. I love this. I'm like, that wasn't my experience. I'm so jealous of these kids. <laughs> I love that. It's yeah. also, you know, Austin is such a cool up and coming entrepreneurial city. Like you said, like, buzzing it's truly buzzing I, I now live in Tampas and I feel the same way I'm like wow this is such a special scene to be in um but I think that you know moving myself from Los Angeles there is something to be said about southern hospitality and the fact that people yeah. here will will stop and say hello and acknowledge you and not to say that that wasn't the norm for me because I had been in Los Angeles for 14 years so I had created my family you know so to speak in LA um but there's just something about the South that is yeah. very warm. For sure, I have to agree. And I think it's, I've visited the US many times, um, but be, the distinction between a visitor and a settler is quite drastic. Um, it's when you settle, you start to look, understand history and you see nuance in culture. Um, and I, before, just thought America is just this one monolithic but it's, it's literally, I think this place is so complex. It's a, it's a continent. It's oh, a, beyond. Yeah. Beyond. <laughs> a, Every, each state is its each own Each state continent. is a country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like literally. Yeah. And like, everyone's like, yeah, Austin's like this and Dallas is like this and Houston's like this. And I'm like, goodness me, I need to like start taking notes and like learning the nuance. But it's it's been fantastic. Honestly. I've heard wonderful things about Houston too. I have lots of family in Texas outside mm-hmm. of Houston, outside of Austin uh, specifically um, and some outside of Dallas, but um, I've heard wonderful things about the diversity of Houston, yeah. but it is just such a wonderful melting pot. Yeah. I've got, I've got a close family in Houston and they sing its praises. They were a bit heartbroken 
that we didn't choose to move to Houston, but we're sure. down the road. We're like, why, why? But um, yeah, it's a fantastic city as well. So yeah, we're really excited about this new beginning. Um, new beginning for personal connections, new friendships, new beginning for opportunities, um, new beginning, you know, personally um, to just be better, right? So yeah. I love that. I'm curious about your experience working with your father in the family business. Mm-hmm. And I want you to speak a little bit more to what that business looked like. Um, but I, I know I come from a long line of entrepreneurs and many family businesses, and not necessarily in my family, but I've heard many horror stories about family members working together and have it having it not go well. So I would love for you to speak to what that environment looked like for you, but also how you learned to navigate being within the family business and working with family members. Mm-hmm. For sure. So like I said, I left Nigeria at nine for the UK. My dad stayed back. And so he'd started the business the I was born. He was a medical doctor. He stopped training when I was two, um, but was supplying medical consumables, teaching hospitals and labs across Nigeria. So flash forward, when I moved back to Nigeria, I was 24. Yeah, I was 24. By this point, the business was now a fully fledged construction business, real estate development company, and an engineering company. All the years whilst I was in the UK, I missed out on the relationship with my dad. My parents were still together, but it was like, you know, long distance marriage, long distance parenting and all that. The dynamics of... I think we don't really talk about how a dispersed family unit, how it really impacts the family. Um, So I missed out on a relationship. I knew him from afar, but I didn't really know him personally. And so when I decided to stay in Lagos, it it was amazing for me because I felt like I got to know my father as an adult for the first time. And we had this common passion because we'd never, he was just always... He was always this figure in my life. How are you? How's school? How are your grades? Are you being a good girl? Are you listening to your mom? We'd never had this common spark. We never had this thing that lit us up on fire. We never had this compelling, deeper conversation, right? Um, and working in the business took us from surface level to deep. It gave us that common passion. Um, it was through this focal point, we're able to ruminate on what's our purpose as a family, what's our purpose as individuals. Um, So by and large, I mean, I'm not saying it was all roses. I resigned a few times. I threw a few tantrums. Yeah. And he also um, was trifling at times, but um, it wasn't all roses, right? Because no relationship with any family members or roses. We will argue with family, right? Um, And it's almost impossible to divorce and separate the family relationship from the business relationship in the family business setting. So there are many times where you could be angry that you're not taking me seriously enough, you're not giving me enough responsibility, but that's the surface level, that's what you're willing to express. But really at the root of that might be, I feel abandoned. I feel like you've never, you never wanted me, you were never there for me, right? It's easier to talk about, to fight about business matters and it is to talk about really heart chats and deeper wounds, emotional wounds. 
Um, so it wasn't all roses, that's not to say, um, but by and large for me, it was a great opportunity to know my father as an adult and to develop this common passion that we both had. And it's really interesting. We have never had a conversation about me joining the family business or through my childhood or through me growing up about our common interest in investing and in impact in entrepreneurship. We've never had a conversation. It all just kind of transpired super organically. So yeah, but I do see a lot of folks, especially folks that I serve that find it difficult to navigate that relationship and it can be fraught with a lot of conflict, um, fraught with a lot of dysfunction. I think firstly is to take away the shame um conflict is not necessarily bad conflict in itself is neutral destructive conflict is bad but there's such a thing as constructive conflict right um so the fact that you're arguing isn't necessarily a bad thing sometimes it's that sandpaper process of you know smoothing out the edges and refining and getting better so that's number one number two is we all have different perspectives we all see things completely differently, different generations, genders, um, professional, more rugged entrepreneur, first gen, second gen, and making allowance and room for that and being able to suspend who we are and take on someone else's persona. I was listening to, I love Jay Shetty. So I was listening to- He's wonderful. God, he's like- in the shower, that's all I listened to. Um, I was There was an episode with Will Smith and Will Smith was talking about how acting has been amazing for him spiritually because in the process of, um, he gets the script and he has to play Mr. Johnson. He has to suspend all his beliefs and all his presuppositions about the character and fully take on that persona um, and fully embody it. And I was like, hmm, Will Smith, you don't know what you've just said. This is, this is wisdom and gold for family business members because I think we need to do the same with our loved ones. So suspend Nika for a second, put on dad. What are his fears? What are his dreams? What are his aspirations? What is he seeing, feeling, thinking? And communicate through that lens develop deep empathy for one another. That's not to say all the potential conflict goes away, but it does take away a lot of it, um, particularly in the delivery of communication. Because a lot of the time, the content of what we're saying is not the issue, it's the delivery, it's, it's lacking tact. Um, it's, it's, lack, it's not constructive. Um, it's not persuasive enough. And that can really create a lot of um, conflict. I love that. I found in doing my own therapy work, I've been knee deep in it for probably three plus years. And I've realized that the more that we heal ourselves inadvertently, the people around us become healed. And not only does our perspective change, but the way that we approach things changes and things become less difficult. I mean, they're so difficult to work through, right? Mm. But on the other side, 
dealing with the things that we maybe once thought were hard become less difficult because you're able to see things from a different perspective. You're able to accept people for how they are. You understand that you're ultimately the only person that you have control over and responsibility for. And there's a, there's an element of peace that comes with that, with doing that work. I'm, I'm curious, you chose to go into finance, you know, in your academic career, in your early professional year, professional career, now, you know, the next chapter of your career, how early did your parents chat with you about money and wealth (laughs) and finance and how, and similarly, how early are you speaking to your children about building legacy? This is a great question. I don't remember a conversation about money growing up. I remember the year allowance around 13. I remember going to university because they get, yeah, this is your monthly allowance. This is what I will be giving you. I remember a conversation when I started working um, after college that you're on your own. <laughs> and I remember one particular month where I ran out of money and I went to my mom. I was like, yeah, mom, I'll need some money. She's like, right, so you'll pay me back this amount on this date and this date and this date. So I don't remember any particular conversation about money. Um, the conversations about money really started have it happening when I started working in the business. I was working in the finance department and then I was signing checks. I was involved in on the investing side as well. Um, what investments should we look at as a family and things like that. Those were the context under which we started having conversations about money. But I wish, I wish we'd had deeper meaningful, um, more meaningful, substantive conversations on the meaning of money. Because for me, as a female, I, for the longest time, firstly, I didn't, I wasn't really aware of the totality of what we owned as a family until I moved back to Nigeria. So it was a shock. I was like, oh, this is not how I remember the business. This is huge. Um, and I started to have this kind of weird identity towards wealth where I felt it wasn't a source of empowerment, but actually it was a hindrance. A burden, my, right? A burden, particularly right. as a female, because you're supposed to marry up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is limiting my pool of <laughs> suitors, isn't it? Right. It's not like there was a long line before. Like, what is this? And now I have to now have this added complexity of like trying to decipher whether people are genuinely wanting to be my friends because they like me as a person or they're trying to gain access. And, you know, it was it was a strange season. The first five years of being in Nigeria, I felt really just embarrassed, ashamed, alone. I felt Mm -hmm. a sense of. um, entitlement was projected onto me and that wasn't necessarily my reality but you asked um with the kids how are we kind of doing that differently I think it's we've started to have conversations on you know not everyone has this kind of wealth that you do and it's really incumbent upon us to use all that's been given to you to better other people's worlds. So we get them involved in if there's community projects, 
through we're members of YPO, um, any outreaches where kids are able to come and not just giving of their money, but also of their time, of their, because developing a heart for humanity, I think is so important. Um, and yeah, we've had conversations on, you know, you want this game? Well, this is how much it costs. And this is how much you have in your piggy bank. It will take you about four years to save up for this game. So what does that mean? You know, um, so from the very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? From the very transactional elements of money to the more kind of more meaningful, purposeful, deeper um, tenets of wealth. But our kids are like six and three, so. <laughs> Never too young, though. No. I think. Never too young. Yeah, I agree. I have a special request. Is it possible for you to do recorded meditations? Because your voice is so calming. Really? <laughs> I would love, I would just love to listen to your voice every day <laughs> as like a start to the day. I'm like, wow, I feel so relaxed and like calm. And yeah, our producer <laughs> is writing me on the side like a hundred. Really? Yes, we you have two votes for you know a side wow. project, a side hustle of doing I have another career. Then. You know. <laughs> If this fails, I don't have a backup career. We're diversifying <laughs> your portfolio. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so the concept of legacy business, it sounds amazing. And I'm sure everyone is like, yes, I'd like to, to create a legacy business. What is the next step? Yeah. If someone um, says, yes, I want to do this, then what? You know, it's very sexy and everyone likes the sound of it. Not everyone is prepared to put in the work for it. Um, Legacy is thinking outside of yourself. So something will outlive you um, over time and over space. Um, so by that, I mean the impact of your work. How is it impacting on communities today? How is it impacting on um, employees? So really speaking to purposeful business, as well as how will this look over time, over generations? And this thinking requires one to be long-term oriented. So not transactional. We don't think in 90 days. We think in generations. It requires one to be consistent, diligent, because it takes time, right? It takes intentionality. It's not done by osmosis. It's not done overnight. The first step is, like I said, I've, I have a construction background. So it's before you start constructing, you always have a plan. There's always a drawing. So we need to have full clarity as to what is the compelling purpose of all of this, this business, beyond dollars and cents, beyond, you know, productivity, employing X number of people. Like what is the, the deeper reason for your business? A compelling enough vision that will rally not just employees to the table but also your family to the table and then ensuring that you as a family are co-creating this vision this mission the values that is the starting point for sure and then there's all sorts of technical interesting stuff like your you need to look into like your estate plan and like your wills foundations insurances as well as um, governance documents to document all this. I really love the conversations and the 
the the deeper stuff the the technical mechanical stuff bores me to death um and i think you can't actually have the mechanical stuff without the relational stuff um it starts with the conversations it starts with the clarity so what we're aiming for as a family is three c's clarity of vision mission and conviction communication collaboration so we're co-creating this the the to ensure that this is a business of the future and not just focused on ensuring this business moves into the future so just the future of the business right amazing so say someone is you know eager to work with someone like you but they're not quite there yet what are some things that they can do let's say like a former, my former self, if my former self is interested in eventually working with Nikkei Anani or someone in your field, how should I be thinking? How should I be working? What are things that I can start to put in place now to eventually get to a place to work with someone like you? Don't just work in your business, work on your business. So carve out time to be very strategic, to formulate a plan beyond 90 days, one year, five years. And in doing so, also um, think about the family, right? So you said you don't have a family right now, but you know, um, but you have a family of origin, you have family of some sort, right? (laughs) So yeah, think about the family unit and start to think about how can we work on family cohesion um, because the family plays a huge role in the business whether you're aware of it or not, create a cadence for communication as a family. Intentionally coming together um, to not just communicate about matters of the head, the intellectual, we need to expand to four cities next year, but to also make room, time, and in heart to communicate on matters of the heart because like I said, family, business, it's not always clean and tidy. There's, we have spillovers of whether it's past trauma that we've all been through, the loss of grandma might have been very traumatic for all of us, um, or addiction or alcoholism, or just trying to break free from an, you know, the identity of being a daughter as opposed to being seen as a colleague or a partner in a business. We all have to navigate all that. Um, And as well as we all have our respective life journeys that we've been through, like we were talking about, right? You said, as one heals, it has an impact on other people around you, right? We can also start to benefit from the various life experiences that each family member has been through and gain insight and wisdom into not just their triumphs in life, but also their trials. And I'm not just talking about their wins in business, but also personal trauma. Um, So cultivating a safe space where we can meet together as a family and learn about what were your difficult moments in your childhood or um, what were your lows? Um, That's where we, we gain insight from one another, we learn from each other and we're connected, not just at the head, but also at the heart. 
doing that, I truly believe that families that are better connected are um, able to get co-create the best ideas because that's safety. If I'm able to say to my family member, well, I had anorexia when I was a teen because I felt that I didn't belong. I didn't fit the mold as a black teen. Um, and I felt the only way to gain approval of others was to starve myself. It kind of remo removes all the barriers, right? Um, that it fosters better trust. Um, and also then I believe we're congruent beings. So how you do one thing is how you do everything. If you're vulnerable with your personal life, then you're able to be vulnerable with your business, particularly founders. I'm sure you've been through, it's not easy being a business owner. It's very glamorous on Instagram and like, yeah. But <laughs> there are many um, interesting times. Many business owners go through depression, suicidal thoughts, um, deep shame, de deliberating anxiety. Having those conversations on those difficult times in the business sharing those with other family members so they can, particularly the next generation, so they can learn and understand, oh, oh boy, okay, we see all glitz and glamour, but there were hard times. We can borrow some resilience of our former generation. Um, so I would say create that time to bond. And this doesn't happen, it doesn't happen by osmosis because we're all busy, all busy, 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 going here, going there, la, la, la. It usually requires um, not only a cadence, um, but also intentionality to be in a space that's conducive towards this bonding. That's usually like on a retreat, like a vacation for a week, and you spend maybe half a morning or half, yeah, half a day just chatting. I love that. And I think one thing that people might say is, well, I don't even know how to begin having that conversation with a family member. And what I will tell you as it is innate in entrepreneurship to just go, just start mm -hmm. and figure it out. And things, things, things seem scarier than they actually are. And the more you do something, the more it becomes a muscle, the more you practice at it. And so, um, I would encourage people who are who are maybe scared of speaking to family members to just try, just try. Mm -hmm. And whatever the response is, that take it as information. You know, try, take it as information. Try not to absorb, you know, if the response is perhaps negative, just take it as information of like, okay, I tried approaching it in this regard. That didn't work. Let me try mm -hmm. a different way. Let me try a different way. Let me try a different way. Maybe let's focus on myself a little bit more. You know what I mean? It's, it's giving yourself, if you gamify it and you give yourself opportunities to make mistakes, um, which really, I don't really believe in mistakes. I think there's winning and learning, not winning and losing. Exactly. Um, just take it as information. Um, so you are so multifaceted and you also have a husband and two children. So how do you prioritize those relationships while being, you know, a full-time professional? Girl, the question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Girl. I know this is, and it's, and you know, I, I go back and forth on this question because I find that women are asked this question more than men, but I do feel that 
Mm-hmm. As relational beings, it is an important question to ask women because of how we show up for relationships. For sure. Um, and for me, relationships thing. are my source. Um, so it's not just, oh, I have to be a mom. I have to be, I have to do my wifely duties and my mommy duties for that. They're my why. So I get deposited and replenished by being amongst them. So how does one do it? I think for me, it's being very cognizant and aware at any given point in time, what's my priority for the season. So I don't believe um, it's possible to have it all. I don't believe at all. I believe that every season demands you to focus on one given thing. And I gave myself a couple of months moving here and that was focused on family, focus on family settling down. That's a priority. And towards, for instance, the next quarter, um, I'm releasing a book by Thanksgiving. So it's focused on listing that, right? <laughs> so excited. I cannot wait to read it. Thank you. Definitely share information with you on it. And so I think it's been very strategic about what is what are the three focuses for this season? And then, you know, as you do in like businesses, you have your quarterly plan, then you turn it into tasks and things. Um, a second for me is support. My husband is a partner um, and he gender roles are not that strong in our household. So he's a source of support. He's, uh, I, I honestly don't know how I would do all of this without him, right? And then the third is creating a cadence for me. <laughs> for moi, <laughs> outside of mama, outside of just, you know, the things that I know that center me right that keep me me that without doing them I feel like I'm just my brain cells are just like tightening and getting stressed and flustered and for me it's exercise it's walks so I run five times a week um and for me that's for me that is my therapy session I talk to myself I have we have some frank conversations um and, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I talk to myself in my head, obviously, because I go to a gym and I'm sure everyone around me would be like, what's going on there? I talk to, I gain so much clarity when I'm running. Issues that have been like at the back of my mind and just sapping my energy and giving me low grade stress. As I start running, I, I, I get the solution like this. There's um, something to be said about movement. I mean, I, mm. I get those, those moments for myself, either when I'm on the spin bike or when I'm doing bar class, when I'm walking, when I'm driving, like any sort of yeah. movement, even when I'm in the shower, like the movement of the water really is when I hear myself the, the clearest in my own head. Same here. And sometimes it's just a Saturday morning, having a lie until 9am and eating ice cream for breakfast in your pajamas. That's where you find yourself. (laughs) The best. (laughs) So I think it's just having that. um, I've learned over time, I've not always been like this, but to be a lot, very self-compassionate and carving, I matter, I'm important. And as entrepreneurs, if we don't take care of ourselves, the business, forget that, like... (laughs) The succession plan you are the success you need to look after yourself you're, you're you are the asset 
right? Um, I found uh, that the more that I take care of myself, the better the business does. For sure. And that's not just to say, you know, getting up and getting dressed in the morning and feeling good on a daily basis. You know, I think that if you are consistently good, you are great, but it's also the inner work that you do, how you're caring for yourself, you know, in movement with therapy, um, whatever that looks like for you. I completely agree. And I think there's something to be said about you get a lot more disciplined when you care about yourself. You get more efficient with your time. So it's not about spending 18 hours building this business a day, right? You can do this for five hours a day, pure, just consistency and discipline and outperform if you're drinking coffee, not sleeping, um, this business that you're building because you're not necessarily being strategic. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. What does self-care look like for you? You mentioned running. Yeah, it's running. It's sleeping. Um, It's me time, which is Mm. like you said, movement. I, when you said that, I was like, aha, no wonder I just randomly, I need to go to the store 30 minutes away. Um, Driving, just being alone to center myself and find myself. It's, on a lovely day it's going on a slow location and for a spa but I mean these days that's not happening um sometimes it's just going to do my nails my eyebrows just making myself feel better sometimes it's I literally glam up for zoom (laughs) you would think I'm going for a wedding and like I just need to feel better and I find that when I glam up I show up completely differently in my mind and so for the first yeah, for the first 18 months, I would literally put on a full face of makeup every day for Zoom and I would dress up, I would put on perfume. Like a girl has to feel good about herself. I um, love that. It's not necessarily what other people think of you, but it's how you feel for yourself because you feel like you're showing up for yourself. 100%, 100%. It's interesting that you said your self-care is being alone and I resonate with that. And earlier, you know, obviously, you know, in my own unique experience, I was a bit of a black sheep and I got along with everyone, you know what I mean? In in school, but I wasn't popular and I definitely felt like an outcast. Mm. Um, And so, you know, I had, I was on a a podcast recently um, that focused, their audience is teen girls. And I said, oh, well, you know, I had three girls in high school be really mean to me. And then I was, you know, I chose to be alone. I chose it because I thought I'd rather have no friends than bad friends mm. and ended up studying every break and lunch throughout high school and ended up, you know, being at the top of my class. But, you know, that was the silver lining in the moment. But it's interesting because these, these experiences in the moment of being alone, there was a similar experience that I had in grammar school. It, it is now what I crave. Like that is mm. my self-care. My self-care is being able to be by myself and think my own thoughts and ask myself questions and take inventory of what I'm doing that I like and what I don't like. And, you know, prayer is really important for me. My spiritual practice is really important for me. And um, yeah, I find it to be fascinating that the thing I think when I was a child that I, the thing that made me so sad is now what I crave. Mm, Exactly the same for me. Exactly the same. It's fascinating. Do you have, um, uh, an AM routine and a PM routine, like a morning and evening routine that you stick to, or is your schedule more fluid? 
it's more fluid these days. I mean, in the past, I would wake up like super early and quiet time, pray, or I'd run early in the morning. But these days, I'm settling into a new country, new environment, new schedules, haven't yet gotten into a rhythm. But it looks on a weekly basis, there's usually five hours of solo exercise, um, about five hours of solo just reflection time. Um, then my day is usually on Zoom, you know, connecting with people. I find I'm energized by connections. Connections are really important to me um, with people that I could call friend. Um, so I like to do business with a very selective um, with the people I spend my time with, both clients and strategic partners, because that's I've realized that my energy is one of the most important things that I have. Um, so it's not all about what I'm doing, but also how I'm doing it. And to protect that energy is based on who I'm spending my time with. I love that. I definitely made that promise to myself a while back of like, I'm only going to work with people that I really enjoy as humans first. Yeah. Like if I'm not, I don't care, you know, how much money you're bringing to me or what, what that looks like. If it's a, if it's an unhealthy relationship, then I will, I will gladly and proudly find another one that yeah. fills up my soul. Um, because it's so much more important to have, you know, I think abundance of, of health and peace of mind yeah. than, you know, a paycheck. I think there's so much abundance in this world. And, and so that was, you know, that's honestly giving myself that permission has given me, um, you know, the permission to, to let people go who I've worked with. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, with new people coming into, in and out of my life, it's like, okay, well, do I like this or do I, do I not like this? And mm -hmm. it's, you know, I don't feel bound to those relationships the way that I did when I was younger. 1000% uh, that resonates with me completely. I love that. Mm -hmm. So how would one go about working with you? Reach out to me on my website, um, www.nikiaanani.com. Every family is different. Every business is different. So the needs may be different, but I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I do facilitating family meetings as well as siblings teams formation. So just reach out to me, um, I'll respond. We can jump on a call and get to know your situation better. I love it. So there's your website. What's next for you? You said you, you mentioned you have a book. Yes, yes, I'm working so on the book. Should be out um, before Thanksgiving. Um, it's called Lifetime to Legacy, a new vision for multi-generational family businesses. So oh. that will be- my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh, so cool. Well, aside from your website, where else can we find you? LinkedIn, Nikia Anani, Facebook, Instagram is probably I'm more, um, more active on there, Nikia Anani as well. Um, yeah. Amazing. Well, you're incredible. I can't believe we blinked and it's been an hour. Um, I know. <laughs> this is so wonderful. You're so inspirational. And um, I look also look forward to your meditation recordings. <laughs> I would love to listen to your voice on a daily basis. 
But I appreciate you. you so much. And thank you thank so much you for so carving much. out time and, and sharing your story and your information with our audience. I know that there's so many nuggets in here that people are really going to appreciate. Thank you so much. This has been fantastic. You are so welcome. Holy cow, what an inspirational and informational episode on all things finance, legacy, communication, and mental health. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health assistance, we encourage you to contact the Mental Health Helpline, 1-800-662-HELP. A special thanks to our guest, Nikkei Anani, for coming on the show. Another thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and producers at Island City Media Group. If you liked this episode, you can listen to it again and again and again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And please review so that we can continue bringing you the content that you love. Lastly, if you'd like to connect with me offline, you can find me at Marin Costello and Marin Costello Radio on Instagram. Wishing everyone a wonderful weekend and we will see you next week.